Now turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Luke 18. And we'll begin reading at verse 15 till the end of the chapter. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called to them, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, that is impossible with man, but is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things, The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what he said. And as he drew near Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going to the, he inquired what this meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise 
to God. As far the reading of God's word. Congregation, beloved of our Lord Jesus Christ, in this story of the rich young ruler, in this chapter, that's a little different than some of the other stories that Jesus has been telling in earlier. In chapter 15, there was a story of two sons. And the one son just squandered everything that his father had given him and lived a life, a wild life. But he repented. He truly repented. And the father was out looking for him, and he received the father's love and was restored. The other son, he had no use for his father. He was angry at his father. Then in chapter 16, we have the story of another two men, a rich man and Lazarus. And Lazarus was very poor. He was a beggar, and he was sick. The dogs were licking his sores. The rich man never cared for him. And these are all church members that the Lord is talking about. But when the the poor man died, he went to heaven, and the rich man went to hell. Now here in the beginning of chapter 18, I didn't read it, but there was a Pharisee who really thought that he had a lot going for himself, and he was boasting about all the great things he did for God, and you know that poor sinner over there, he wasn't like him. He was glad he wasn't like him. But the thing is, the sinner who cried out for mercy because he did not feel worthy to come even near the temple, he went home justified. His sins were forgiven, but not of the Pharisee. But now when we come to our story here, this young man, according to Mark, the story is also told in Mark and Matthew, Mark tells us that he came to Jesus and he kneeled down before Jesus to show that he truly honored Jesus, that he recognized something very great in Jesus. And Mark also tells us that Jesus had a love for this young man. So he was obviously a very sincere young man. He wasn't like the Pharisees. He had been brought up in a faithful covenant church home. From the birth, his parents taught him the word. And when Jesus asked him if he knew the commandments, he said he had kept them since he was young. So he was not a young man living his own life the way he wanted to. He was dedicated to serve God. As a member of the church, he was an exemplary life. Now maybe that describes some of you here this afternoon as well. You come to church every Sunday. You're not living a wild life. You try and keep the commandments of God as best as you can, and all that is very good. But there was something that this young man was missing. That's why he asked Jesus what he had to do to inherit eternal life. He realized that he was missing something very important that only Jesus could give him. And so maybe you've been in church all in Sunday all your life long, but maybe there's still something missing in your life as well. And if there's someone here like that this afternoon, then just listen to what Jesus has to say about inheriting eternal life. Jesus didn't directly answer the question that he asked. He said, why do you call me good? Because that's what he came, good teacher, he said. No one is good except God alone. Now, why did Jesus say that? 
Well, this is a test to see if this young man really understood that Jesus was God, the Son of God. In 1 John 5, verse 11, we read, God has given us eternal life, and that life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So there it is in a nutshell. So the young man needed to understand that God had given him eternal life that in his son. He needed to know the son. And in Luke 24, we read that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So if he had been taught the Bible, knew the Bible, he should have thought about that. Because in Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 9, we read, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And what is said about him? His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So this young man needed to understand that Jesus was that son that Isaiah and many others have prophesied. And he is the one in whom is eternal life. And that eternal life is in himself. Christ is the eternal life. We have eternal life because we are one with him. If we become one with him, we share that life. He shares that life with us. So how do we receive this life? Well, it's a gift of God through his son, Jesus Christ, that we have to come to know. And that's why this little, these few verses just before the text here, after the tax collector and the Pharisee, we have these few verses in verses 15 and 17, where they were bringing infants to Jesus. And some really objected to that. But Jesus said, let them come to me, do not hinder them, for of such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And whoever does not enter the kingdom like a little child, he will not enter it. We have to be like an infant who is totally helpless because where does God place infants in certain homes and in the covenant home where they would be raised up to know the Lord? As you think of the Old Testament church, it was God who chose Israel. It wasn't their choice for God. It was God's choice for them. And what do we read about them? They all partook in the Passover, the blood on the doorpost. They were set free from death. They ate the manna from heaven. They drank from the rock. And what was that rock? The rock that followed them was Christ. We read in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. That was all God's doing. And that's what Ephesians 1, 4 tells us, that God has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love, having predestined us according to the adoption as children by Jesus Christ. That's how we enter into eternal life. It's only through Christ. It's the only way. That's why we have to know him. But that beautiful example, we are like helpless infants. We can't do anything to save ourselves. It has to be God. And so when we're baptized as infant children of believers, we're in the kingdom of God. 
But those who are in the kingdom of God as infants and they grow up, then they also have to long to love Jesus and obey Jesus. Because what does a baby do? What does an infant do? An infant just longs for mama. You know, that's all the baby thinks about. That love from the mother who gave her life. And that's the way we have to think about Jesus. That he has given us life in himself as a gift when we go to him when we get older. Because in Ephesians 1.13, Paul goes on to explain first that we are chosen in Christ. But then he says, he tells us what our response should be when we hear that God so loves us and has shown that to us already when we were infants, he says that in him, in Christ, you have, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Trusting and believing in Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit is to confirm that the Father has chosen us. It's a wonderful work of the triune God. So, what this young man had to, first of all, understand is two points. First, he had to understand that Jesus is God. He is the long-promised Messiah, the Emmanuel, God with us. And secondly, he has to understand that Jesus himself is the eternal life who shares that life with us and that he expects us to obey him in everything that he asks us to do to show him how much we love him and how much we are totally dependent on him. Well, at this point in this young man's life, he didn't understand that. Even though verse 21 says that he had kept all the laws and he was a sincere young man, but he did not believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah. He did not have that figured out. So Jesus gave him another test in verse 22 to help him understand what living your new life that Christ gives you in obedience to him looks like. So he asked him to sell all that he had and to give it to the poor. Now, who are the poor that Jesus is referring to? Well, the word poor is used here and in other places of those who are begging, those who are destitute, or those that are suffering the consequences of their own sin or the sin of others. And it's also used of Christ in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, that Christ became poor for us so that we might become rich in him. And he became poor because he took all our sin upon himself and suffered the wrath of God and eternal judgment for us. So why is Jesus asking this young man to sell everything and give it to the poor? Well, just imagine yourself being there. And just think what's happening here. If this young man would have recognized and believed that Jesus was God and eternal life in person, then he would have realized that he was actually talking to God and eternal life face to face. If this incredible truth that Jesus is God and eternal life personified 
had filled his heart and mind, what value would his eternal treasures have compared to being in the very presence of God? God himself is asking him to follow him. This young man possessed everything that the world was looking for. He was so rich. But what is that compared to God standing there and talking to you and inviting you to go with him? What value is your money and riches and being honored by men and compared to being loved and honored by Jesus Christ, who is Emmanuel, God with us, who has come to earth from heaven and has chosen to speak to you in person? Is there a greater honor that he could receive? He was rich, he had land, he had money, servants. But what value is that compared to being right there in the presence of God who is your creator and sustainer and the owner of all things that exist? And out of love for him, Jesus said, sell everything, follow me, you will have treasure in heaven. What an incredible offer and promise. Being one with Jesus Christ, the eternal life, is of incomparable value. It's worth everything because he would be forever living in the presence of God. So what, what value has all that you own that decays and breaks and, you know, you can't take it with you anyway when you die? So dear friends, brothers and sisters, and young people, what would you do if Jesus would make such an offer to you. Well, actually, Jesus, the Son of God, right now, at this very moment, is speaking to you directly face-to-face from his word and by his spirit. Because every day we gather together with great joy in the presence of Jesus Christ, our bridegroom, to hear what he has to say to us as his bride, his church. That's why Sunday is a special holy day to renew the covenant with him that we have broken during the week. But if we come here like the tax collector and we cry out for his mercy, he will forgive us because he has promised to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we truly confess us before him. And then we can go home justified when we leave here with our sin gone because it's, he's faithful to his promises to us. So now today, from this passage in Luke 18, Jesus is asking you to give up all your earthly treasures to the poor and follow him. And just think again for yourself what a privilege it is to hear that Jesus is talking to you directly Every Sunday, every time you open your Bible and the Holy Spirit is breathing those words of life on you. And he does that because Jesus is so interested in each and every one of you that you should know that you have eternal life in him. He wants you to know how good a God he is. He is. 
He really does. That's how much he cares for you. So what are you going to do in response to what Jesus is asking you? Jesus knew that this rich man's heart was very attached to his possessions. He knew that. That luxurious way of living, he could get anything once, it was, became an idol that he worshipped. Couldn't let it go. Yet, although Jesus knew this, he still had a love for this young man. And Jesus also knows your heart and mine. And he knows if we're worshiping idols in our lives. But even so, Jesus is also coming to us this afternoon and speaking in a very loving way to us. But we have to understand that it's not just our possessions or gold or silver, but anything at all can become an idol. Everything in our life can become an idol. Anything that is more important to you than Jesus is an idol in your life. Think about this very seriously. You're being asked by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory who is seated on his throne in heaven, reigning over all the earth, is asking you to give all that you have to the poor. Because they're so desperate in their own sin. The world around you is drowning in its sin. It doesn't know where to go, where to look for life. It doesn't know life. It's so dark. But the Lord has a work for you. But first of all, it has to begin in your own response to what Jesus has offered to this rich man and is now also offering to you. How did this young man respond to what Jesus said to him? Did he fall down at the feet of Jesus with a heart full of gratitude and adoration? Did he say, thank you, Jesus, for even talking to me as an unworthy sinner? Thank you, Jesus, for the honor of speaking with me and asking me to be a disciple of the Creator and the Savior of the world? Did he jump up and shout with joy? Yes, Lord, I'm going to sell it all. I get it now how great you are and how you have loved me from before the foundation of the world. So why should I keep all this stuff? From now on, I'm going to go out and help you, and then, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give it all away, as you've asked me to do. Did this young man do that? No, he didn't. Look what verse 23 says. When the man heard this, he became very sad because he was extremely rich. And Mark 10, 22 tells us he was saddened and he went away grieving for he owned much property. He was grieving over the loss of the things that perish. Imagine. Grieving over losing what has no eternal value. And seeing him so sad walking away from him, Returning to his earthly treasures, Jesus remarked how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was sad and grieved 
that he went back to all of that. So, young people, I have a question for you as to your life. Have you ever asked Jesus to give you the desires in your heart and in your life to serve him with everything that you have and give everything to him? And then in particular, you need to pray, Lord, I want to do the good works that you have ordained for me to do, as Ephesians 2.10 says. Instead of planning your own life and praying for the things that you want to do, ask Jesus every day, Lord, will you show me the works that you have ordained for me to do in my life on earth. And if you sincerely pray that, it will change your life. You'll avoid so many pitfalls that Satan will set before you, if that is your goal. You will be so wonderfully blessed by living the life that God has planned for you to live if you ask him and be very sincere about it and seek, Lord, only what you want me to do. That's what I want to do, nothing else. Because this story, you know, of this young man is so sad and so very different to what happened to the man in verse 43 that we read. Bartimaeus. He was very poor, had no money, sat by the roadside in the dust, and he couldn't see Jesus because he was blind. But when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he called out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And people basically told him to shut up. They discouraged him from calling out. But all the louder, he shouted, Son of David, have mercy upon me. And guess what? Jesus stopped and asked and commanded that he be brought to him. Jesus wanted to talk to him. Why? Because he believed what the young man didn't believe. He believed that he was the Messiah, the promised son of David, who would be the merciful Savior and King of the world, as God had promised in 2 Samuel 7, 14, and many other places. And then when he came as a beggar to Jesus, he didn't ask for riches, but only if he could see. And what did Jesus do? He healed him and said, Your faith has made you well. And then what did Bartimaeus do? Verse 43. He immediately, immediately followed Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw what happened, gave praise to God. Imagine this could have happened to this young ruler too. If he had obeyed Jesus and followed him, his heart would have filled too with praise and thanksgiving. And others would have joined in as well. There were many others who didn't understand that Jesus was the Messiah, and they did come to that knowledge later. Hopefully, this young man as well repented and came to see Jesus 
to fall down at his, before him again, but acknowledging his sin and confessing that. Hopefully that was the case. But dear brothers and sisters, there's a warning here for us because Jesus saw this young man walk away and because of his material possessions. And you know, here in the West, in Canada, U.S., we are very rich compared to, especially after living full-time and part-time in Mexico for 25 years, see a lot of poverty. And these possessions that we have can inflate us with such pride and such self-confidence. And money gives us a power that poor people don't have. Money, possessions, the pleasures of the flesh, these are idols that demand our attention and worship. And that's why the Holy Spirit has written through the Apostle Paul, those who desire, and the focus is on desire to get rich. It's not wrong to have riches, but it's how you use them. But those desire to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires. Other harmful desires fall come out of that which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6, 9. All the riches that we have enjoyed here in Canada and the U.S. can give a false security. Because if you don't have to be concerned with your food comes, you know, you got lots of that and clothing and everything else and a place to live. It's so easy to think that we don't really need Jesus. He's not the first one that we worship. And that's a trap that Satan wants all the Christians to fall into, that we can serve and worship our idols and Jesus. That's what happened throughout the Old Testament. He was very successful in that. He wants you to get so attached to the earthly things that you can't do without them, but still think that you're serving Jesus. But it's not possible. You shall have no other gods before me. You cannot serve God and mammon. So that's why, as followers of Christ, we need to do a reality check on who or what is most important in our lives. Do I really love Jesus? And look to him as an infant looks to its mother, that dependent on him for everything. And then am I obedient to Jesus and all that he has asked me to do? And will it be pleasing to him? What do I need to do to please my Savior in every thought, word, and deed? Does the Lord really have first place in my life? Am I seeking those things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and not on things on earth? This is how we need to take control of our life and our thoughts and our hope for the future. And we need to especially remember what we heard this morning, what Christ has done for us, how he suffered for us. And it's mentioned here as well in verses 31, 33. And it's going to happen to you if you're faithful to the Lord in the world in which you're living. Jesus was mocked and insulted, he says, and spit on and whipped and finally killed. He surrendered to the ridicule and the insults and all of that as a sacrifice for our sins. He became the poorest of poor 
because he was abandoned by his father because our sin, yours and mine, was upon him. So dear brothers and sisters, you have to realize that in following and obeying Jesus also today, as we heard this morning, you will suffer ridicule and persecution because you're living in a world where it's not acceptable to believe that the Bible speaks the truth. Millions and millions and millions of people are following the lies of Satan. And that's why there's such an incredible poverty in this world. But if you love Jesus, he will care for you. He will protect you. Eternal life with Jesus is a wonderful life because everywhere Jesus goes, that's where you go. And everywhere you go, if you're obedient to him, that's where Jesus will be with you. He'll go before you. He leads the way. And the Holy Spirit will be with you to fill your heart with peace and the joy of your Savior in every situation. Because Jesus, as a high priest, is praying for everything that's going on in your life. And he wants you to approach him boldly while he's sitting on the throne of grace to help you in time of need. And you're always in need to go to him. So let me ask you again, what is your response to Jesus asking you to sell all and give it to the poor? There are many Christians today in many countries around the world that are so, so poor by worldly standards. Some are blind, some are crippled, bedridden, dependent on other people totally for help. Many suffering under the regimes of the atheistic leaders. Others force them into labor, fighting in unjust wars, making people obey godless laws. But because these Christians love Jesus and know him, they are the richest people on the face of the planet. Being united to Christ by the Holy Spirit who lives in you, you can enjoy the love that Jesus has for you. You can delight in his joy, in his peace, in his patience, in his kindness, his goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. All of those. You being one with him, you can enjoy the wonderful virtues that Jesus has. His holiness, his mercy, his grace, his compassion that he has for you. All these and much more are the treasures of eternal life that believers receive in the life of Christ. And that's what makes you so incredibly rich for all of eternity. Your health may be poor. You may have little money. But Jesus, through his poverty, has made you so eternally rich with treasures more to come in eternity. So, dear brothers and sisters, the purpose and task of your life is to give to the poor. And who are these poor? Well, the world that you're living in, your neighbors, maybe people that work for you. These are the poorest of poor. They're destitute. 
all that awaits them. You're awaiting the glory of Christ when he comes, but all that awaits them, if they refuse to believe in Christ, is a future of eternal death where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in outer darkness forever and ever. And what you're seeing today is that they don't realize that Satan has so taken them in and deceived them by his lies that all of society is deeper and deeper and deeper falling into a greater and greater insanity of totally destroying itself. Mothers killing their babies and children being encouraged by our governments to cut off parts of their bodies that God has made in his image. It's just one great rebellion against Christ. That's why your testimony that Jesus is such a wonderful, good God that came to this earth to save rebellious sinners is so crucial. Jesus came to give us a new life of hope. He is the eternal life in which there is peace and joy and love and every other kind of blessing possible on the face of this earth. And so, dear brothers and sisters, even if you can't walk, even if you're sitting in a wheelchair, you're bedridden, but you still talk, share the treasures that you have received from Christ as a gift, your salvation and all that goes with it. You have the word of God. Share it. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. These are the greatest gifts you can give to anyone. Encourage them to trust in Christ and be set free from their sins and eternal damnation. You have been given this wonderful task to give hope to the destitute and the poor. With the word of God, you can make others rich for all of eternity. What a gift to have. That's why Jesus is saying to you, use all my treasures that I have given you through the Holy Spirit living in you and share those treasures with the poor around you and make them as rich as you are. And may the Lord so use you, brothers and sisters, so that others may see how you are enjoying eternal life in Christ, that they may cry out to him and bow at the feet of Jesus, confess their sins, repent, and worship Jesus with you. For the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how we thank you for the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus that you chose us before the foundation of the world. Lord, we had nothing to say and we still have nothing to say, Lord. We can't contribute to our salvation. We understand that, Lord. You just ask us to love you. And Lord, help us to do that because we're so incredibly sinful still and so we surprise ourselves again and again Lord how easy it is for us even though we know all these wonderful truths even though we know you Lord Jesus still we fail 
we will never reach perfection in this life, Lord, until you call us home. And what a wonderful day that will be when we don't have to fight the battle against sin and Satan. But Lord, it's not impossible. You have given us the victory in Christ. You just want us to exercise the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to apply it to our own lives and then also to the lives of others. Will you help us to do that, Lord, this week in everything that we say and do, that we submit everything to the obedience of Christ, every word, every thought, every action, that it's in agreement with your Word and then all will be well. Then we will be a blessing, Lord, and that's what we want in our lives. Will you so help us, Lord? Fill us with your spirit. That's the only way we can do that. We have no strength in ourselves, but you have all the strength in yourself, Lord, and you have given us the spirit also for that very purpose, to honor you and glorify your name. So we thank you for that. We're not left helpless by any means, by no means. Lord, you are the one who has given us life, and for this we thank you and praise you. We thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name.